This week may be my favorite chapter of all time. In chapter 10, I fulfill a promise I made to you in chapter 9 by inviting on my business partner, Dominic McGregor. He comes on the podcast today to share his deep, dark secrets and his incredible story. So many of you will know my story. But this whole time, I've had somebody stood right next to me. And he's a completely different person. He chooses not to take the limelight. He has a different perspective on the world. And he's built in a different way. He has an incredible story. You'll hear things from Dom that, you know, I was honestly frightened to share with the world. When I first hired Dom back in 2014 to join my startup, Wallpark, because he had grown a large social media page and I was looking to advertise the platform on social media. I messaged him online and I met him in a bar and I encouraged him to drop out of university and join me full time. And surprisingly and courageously, he did exactly that. We've worked together side by side ever since for the last six years and we went on to start Social Chain together many, many years ago. Through that time, we've been through it all. We've lived together, we've worked together, we've traveled together, we've slept on floors together, we've argued, we've had celebrations like you wouldn't believe. Dom has his personal struggles, and me and him, as I said, are very different people, and there are things that I've always wanted to ask him. Today was that day. This is his story of success, of mental health issues, of alcoholism, of the... So without further ado, I'm Steve Bartlett, and this is the Diary of a CEO. I hope nobody is listening, but if you are, then please keep this to yourself. Okay, Dom, a lot of people that listen to this podcast would probably follow me across Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Instagram, and um, they know a lot about social chain, but they don't hear a tremendous amount about you. So my first question to you is, from your perspective, why is that? Good question. Um, I think the reason people don't hear a lot about me is a couple of reasons, so... I don't like to put myself out there too much, which, again, you, what you put out there, you get back. So that's probably a very main reason. Secondly, the role I play is a little bit different to what Steve plays and what you play, what you play, um, because it's much more about like bringing people together and getting shit done. Um, and I think you know, being frank, you know, I probably wasn't someone that maybe like a year ago two years ago could be someone who's put out there so what, what is it you do then and what make the distinction between what i do at social chain and what you do at social chain yeah um so i've always seen it mainly like the way i think about my head really is like a little bit like external internal like a little bit like we've always said like a marriage so what i do is solve problems of how things are working at the moment so solving what you know we've got problems with um a campaign because you know two parts of the business aren't working very well together things are going smoothly there needs to be someone to come in there to fix it to tweak it what steve does is the role that you do that's weird doing this way uh what you do is much more about um it's the external kind of the noise of who we are what getting ourselves out there always being the face always being repping the business um bringing them through the front door being that kind of side of things but then also more of the 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 stuff that involves 
inspiration and the kind of perception of what we who we are internally as well while mine's more nuts and bolts pulling things together sticking things together this can be more efficient like that mm. and obviously because i spend a lot of time doing external facing stuff I, I put myself out there i'm speaking on stages i do the podcast youtube channel all these things i have a cameraman following me at all times i get a tremendous amount of credit right i get like a disproportionate amount of credit how a lot of, i think something that i don't think anybody would understand and one of the questions i want to ask you because i feel like it's a question that people must wonder is i i definitely just being completely honest because that's what the podcast is all about i definitely get a lot more credit than you do um, in terms of people using my name when they think of social chain or when they think social chain, how does that sit with you? I don't care because I know, like we've said a number of times, he can't alter, alter history. So I think it comes from being secure in myself. I know what role I play. I know what how, where we came from. I know the story. I know what we do here. I know what we both do. And it doesn't matter to me. I think I've always been the business is the most important thing here. Social chain is us. So it's about making sure that is always going forward. Question then. If social chain was two Steve Bartlett's, would it work? No. It would never work. Would it, what, what same if, question to you. If social chain was two Don McGregor's? No. Same question to you. Oh, you mean the same question if yeah. it was two Steve Bartlett's? Two, two Steve Bartlett's. No, no. No, it, never, we know it, it, would, it, be never completely, it would be a completely different place. And I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if it ever would have been possible, to be honest. It wouldn't, um, have, got to, it wouldn't have got anywhere. No, because my my no no it wouldn't have. It wouldn't got anywhere. If it was two Dominic Gregors, it wouldn't have got no, anywhere. No, I'm saying it would be a complete. Oh, no, it wouldn't. I wouldn't even started. There was the problem. It, you know, so, so if, I was going to say if you like dropped me in, if you dropped two of me in, no, uh, it would it would hold. I think it would hold on for a little bit because Steve wouldn't want to jeopardize it because of other Steve. But I think I think that I'm very very strong minded in like the ways the ways that I think should things should be. I think over time I've got more like open to, um, ah, this sounds really bad, but like I'm very like, I'm very, sp- very specific. And if there was another very, very, very specific person from very early on in terms of like words, minor words and these like tiny things, I really don't know if that would have worked. It's, we've always said about having like complementary traits. Yeah. And it, that's why it's worked. There's so many times when you, things have been realigned and things have to we have to have to talk mm-hmm. where conflicting personalities mm-hmm. where similar personalities sorry would have clashed mm-hmm. over their perceptions mm-hmm. and we say it about ego quite a lot if you have two really big egos who are very the same type of ego in the room they but like you say they both think their position is right they don't have the they won't have the foresight to be humble enough to say well could do it this way mm-hmm. especially and i always think that the the biggest impact well, it is the biggest impact we both made. Is it in the early days, you know, when it was just two of us, when with Hannah and obviously everyone else there? That's when we defined the place, mm-hmm. and you know, that's when it took a lot of like work. You know, being honest, you know, you know, you get me there. You've been doing a lot more public speaking lately, yeah. Which is the f- so we've we're now I don't know three years into social chain, probably like five years into doing this really, but um, three years as a company you've now sort of decided to take the stage and start doing more of the outward facing stuff what's a inspired that what's what's given you the courage to do that and how are you finding it well what's given me the, the what's given me the courage is the self-confidence like i 
I guess, crippled by, ever like most people are crippled by their own anxieties about themselves, how they're looked, how they're perceived. Um, one of the biggest things I hate about myself is my voice. I've got a very distinct accent. You can hear it right now. It's not clean. It's not the best. And that's what my perception of myself is. So I speak quickly. I don't know. I know. So I've always um, shied away from long public conversations because of that reason, but also because of how I perceive myself and maybe not being the, uh, a very natural presenter. That is. How are you finding it? I love it now. Honestly, I've got, I've got over them. Um, the voice thing I'm not getting, not over yet, but I'm more embraced it. What, is, what do you mean by the voice thing? Just like how I sound. I don't like how I sound. It's just an accent though, isn't it? Yeah, I know. But I, f- I struggle, I think people struggle to understand me sometimes, which is again, probably self-deluded, but... I think I did, in the earlier days, I would always, I'd say, I would always say to you, what, 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 what? Yeah. And then you'd say, repeat yourself, what, what? And I could never understand what you're saying. And then you've got you're much more articulate than you were back then because you i I just had no idea what you're saying most of the time (laughs) at the start and that's that was a huge i've had that my whole life people and i'm like god i need to speak slower and then when you spend in front of people the minute you feel like you lose your attention that's when you start going going into yourself even more so i do a public speaking and i couldn't wasn't confident my voice just triggered everything what's um what's the the most annoying thing that I do? Hmm. Most annoying thing. What's like the most annoying thing? In terms of working with me, what's the, what's the hardest thing to deal with that, that I do? The thing that's most irritating. Um, I'm pretty sure it should come to mind pretty quickly. And you can say, you can be a savage. Yeah, I know. Fine. What I'm is the most irritating thing? Uh, there's so many, I'm joking. Um, irritating thing sometimes forgetfulness yeah forgetfulness we've had conversations about this it's happened this is you know things go move on two months later we revisit it it's like we had a conversation about this and i've forgotten we've forgotten that's that's dementia yeah probably might yeah pretty convinced but it's uh, things with them you know it happens what's um what do you think the most annoying thing that you do is in terms of working working with working with you uh Overpromise. Overpromise. Yeah. Take, why do you do? Why, so take too much on. Maybe, not, maybe, maybe not overpromise. No, overpromise is probably wrong. Take too much on. Okay. Try and juggle too many things. Why? Why is? Why do you do that? Don't trust other people. I think that was, was a hard thing at first to get over. Um, I always think I could do a better job than people. I also think you're a bit of a yes man. Bit of a yes man. Definitely. You... I know. I definitely was more of a yes, yes man. Yeah, you were definitely, definitely more. Too much of yes. Yeah, because yeah, I was again. I think trying to. I think what's always been weird is, I've talk, and I've talked to a lot of people about this now, is when you don't, not that you don't, you don't have a tangible output, you don't have a, like a, I did X today or I did Y. That shift in your life of, from going like where, where I started was running communities and, you know, growing the pages back at Warpack. From going from that position, I, remember, I still remember when you sat me down and we, we first took the investment and it must have been about a week after. And you said to me, you're not going to run any pages anymore. That was, really, that was a really weird feeling. I was like, what, what do you mean? Of course. For context, Dom, when Dom says pages, he means Twitter pages. So when I met Dom, Dom was running um, a bunch of Twitter pages. And um, yeah. Yeah. It's good. And that was very strange. And then that transition between doing that where you've got like a clear result to not actually doing a tangible output, but actually helping other people, growing them, doing much more um, 
leadership leadership oriented things was a very difficult transition so on that point do you think do you think that um entrepreneurs are are made or do you think they're born this is a question i get asked all the time it's do you think you can do you think some people are born entrepreneurs or do you think you can be made into entrepreneurs you answer first and i'll tell you the answer what i always say i I always i've been asked before and i always my opinion is that no, no one's born anything a lot of life is 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 nurture and it comes through like the early stages of development, so playing sport, playing um, which you, things you could look at any influence over. It's how your parents and how you know, interact at school, um, and you do develop certain traits like leadership, for example, which can translate into business um, and natural curiosity of wanting things to be done better. And I think that a lot of it is nurture. And then, however, putting yourself into a position where you run a business, you can learn it. it's a skill. I honestly think it's a skill rather than something that you're born with. Yeah, so I think I think obviously um, not all. Uh, you've really got to um, define what you mean by entrepreneur because there's a very sort of like stereotypical idea of what an entrepreneur is, and it's kind of like, uh, in my mind, it's a bit of like a show pony, risk taker, fearless kind of type. Um, whereas entrepreneurs are problem solvers. Yeah, and there's there's so many different types of entrepreneurs. So you've got like a Mark Zuckerberg who was a coder that built an amazing product and be- learned how to be an entrepreneur. You see when I speak saying entrepreneur, we're imagining this person that's like really good with people. This is what I imagine anyway, really good with people, like a bit of a, a bit of an extrovert mm. as well. Um risk taker, kind of big ego, that kind of thing. Whereas really if you look at the most successful entrepreneurs in the world, when you think about, you know, like Elon Musk's and Steve Jobs and, you know, all these, you know, they didn't start that way, but they're, they're made into that. And from, from knowing you, when I met you, you were kind of a bit, I wouldn't say you were, you were a bit shy, but only to me, right? You weren't shy to your friends, of mm. course, but you're a bit shy to me in a professional sense. And um, I think you were low confidence, but going from there, when we met in that bar, in York and I think it was a revolutions bar to now has kind of answered the question for me that you, you, you can be made one because yeah. you can be, you know, hammered enough times and hit and, you know, you can, you can kind of teach yourself to be one, which I think will give a lot, a lot of people, a lot of um, peace of mind, I guess. Anyone that's um, maybe doesn't look like the person they want to, they want to become, I guess. Um, one, one of the other questions I had was about y- your personal journey. So, just from my sort of account of knowing you, we met when you were how old? Nine, 20. 20. Yeah. I must have, how old was I then? Was I you were 20 as well. I was 20 as yeah. well. Um, and we've, been, we've come a long way in that time. So you, you've had a very sort of interesting personal development journey, much more interesting than my personal <laughs> development journey. Um, you've gone from being someone that was very, very low confident to taking on great responsibility. And I would say at times in the early days, like really struggling with the the stress of that. Mm. And then getting to the point where alcohol started to become a bit of a, um, I don't know what the word is, started to become something that would help you get out of the stresses of running a business. And, uh, you know, I, this is just my perception of the situation. Um, and as things got harder and harder, you, you, you began to escape more, but you didn't, I didn't just feel like you were escaping from the job and the stresses of the job. I also, in some respects felt like I represented the stresses of the job. Mm-hmm. So we were living together at, at this point And, um, I speak to some of my friends about this who are in similar situations where if you work with me and we're, we're business partners, but then you also come home and live with me, it's kind of like the stress comes home as well. And that's kind of what it felt like at one point, I think. I think I think I had stress from so many angles. Where do you think, what, where was your stress coming from? 
a crap relationship. Which which one? Hannah. Which Hannah? You date three. <laughs> um, all Dom's girlfriends, by the way, have all been Hannah. called Hannah in a row. I think that's a, that's a bit of a psychological thing yeah, there, isn't it? Yeah. But that was like, I wanted to get out of that so badly and half it was just that work, everything. I don't, I don't ever think, I don't ever think it was coming home to it. I actually, you know, we had, I actually enjoyed it. The house was like, at first was, was better than anywhere. But then I think everything just got on top of me. Everything from... Because I hated this girl. I absolutely uh, hated this girl. She was... I don't, we're not, we don't need to... I mean, no. There's so many girls that you've dated called Hannah, so not really saying which one it is, but I couldn't stand this girl because she was just so anti your career and yeah. your, well, your ambitions, and it was almost this competition. And obviously, as like the third wheel. <laughs> I'm... It's always, it always, it's always going to yeah, happen like that. Yeah, and like, I... I wasn't, oh God, I, I, I hate thinking about it in years, but like then, I was just, oh, I didn't like myself. I hate myself. What and did I, you hate about yourself? Everything, how I was, you know, like how I was with her. Like, I, I don't even know if I ever said thank you for like how it ended, but like basically what Steve did is Steve just sorted it for me. And I was, I, I really became a person I didn't like. Really became a person I didn't you like. You said you hated yourself. What did you hate about yourself? I hated, I hated everything everything to do everything to do with me how i was how how i looked how i was acting how i was speaking <clears throat> really hating myself and that that when you've got this kind of like base layer of like crap going on on top of it hating yourself you know we we need to, in a position right now we need to love ourselves because we're putting ourselves through a lot of stress and a lot not stress stress in the right word um just a lot <clears throat> and like you need to love yourself and I hated myself. And and you you at some point near the end of your relationship with this girl, you developed a so just to set the scene, you've got this, you know, this job and at the time social chain was it was still a startup and there was tremendous financial pressures. Nothing was guaranteed. We were obviously looking at the bank balance all the time, trying to figure out if we were gonna be able to make payday. Mm-hmm. Clients cancelling left, right and centre because we just weren't set up to fulfil the work properly at that time. Um, going home every, you know, every night at midnight, 1am, 2am, 3am, um, unsure how you're going to pay payday in, a, in mm-hmm. a couple of days' time. And then you've got, you know, your girlfriend's giving you a hard time. There's all these other sort of sort of more personal pressures that you've exhibited upon yourself. Um, and then you start developing a fairly unhealthy relationship with alcohol. Destructive. Destructive, I think it is. Destructive. Um, and we had this term, didn't we, which I, I used to call you drunk dom. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, it start. you know, what, what, Social chain started out, you know, we had a lot of, you know, we were struggling for paying people, but we were having a lot of wins as well. So there's a lot of things to celebrate as well as we were growing. And at first, everything started off as a celebration. You know, we would all go out at weekends and have fun and that was it. And I think the more, it was quite funny because the more, you know, not many, not only me and you know what it was like, you know, no one else knew at the time what, what we were, where we were. And I think, you know, when we're trying to put a smile on and celebrate, with everyone else and we there's things going on in the background it's like that's when you you start just keeping more drink drinking more and more but you, you the relationship you had with drinking was um like nothing i'd seen before you would you would drink but, one beer and then if you drank one you, go, you would drink because uh, until yeah. you just wouldn't stop there wasn't like three or five no. it was like it, it would you go and keep ordering. and it got to the point where we would lose you because you'd be at the bar ordering your own drinks and go, and guzzling them down and I'll never forget that night where we came home and 
um, you were you had the lights off and it, it was like three three a.m. in the morning and you were in the front room drinking a bottle of wine mm. with the lights off and I I just got home um, and I think that was maybe the start of me realizing well me thinking like this this isn't normal um, what was that whole period like for you what was the did were you did you have a did you consciously think alcohol was helping that's what I always wondered did you realize did or was it a very sort of unconscious thing? You it, just was, drank? it was so totally unconscious. Like I say, it start, everything for like, it started off as a celebration. You know, we'd go out, we'd go to the neighborhood every weekend, we'd celebrate. And like, by like, drink four, drink five, when I'm, when I'm gone, you don't realize anything because you don't think anything. Yeah. And then I just, when everyone else was celebrating, I remember the neighborhood opening, we went with me, you, Alex, someone else sat upstairs. And that I just, you know, it's, Everyone else was celebrating neighborhood opening, but I've got this constant cr- cr- pressures of like crumbling on me. Like, oh god, I'm thinking about everything. I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not actually there in the moment with you guys. I'm just sat there drinking my drink, drinking it quickly, getting this feeling of going a little bit numb, making myself go numb. Um, and just I wanted to get away from everyone. I didn't want to get away from 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 anyone in particular, but I, I work. I just wanted to get away I wanted to go off by myself I wanted to be in my own little space because did, when, you, did you ever think about quitting I thought about selling I wanted to sell you know when the offers started this is a strange when the offers started to come in and people were interested to buy of course head was turned and I was like alright you know this we could we should sell and I, I was I know I was very pro of selling to some people that came in in the early days because it was a way out and I was like okay you know what if I get the security of selling some, you know, the shares and then I'm all right. I can sort myself out. I, I feel like I've completed something and kind of in the back of my mind, I knew, you know, if we had to do that, I, I could then sort myself out. And what would you do? What would you, what would you, what was your plan? I had, I had no plan because I, I just, I just know I wanted something and I was like, I was seeking, seeking something in myself. Like, and when this is when I was drinking, like I've, I've said to you a million times, but once, once I once I stopped drinking, and now every single time I get an offer, I'm not don't care about it. You know, it's but in that moment there, in then I was seeking like for, I don't know what I, was, I don't know what I was looking for. I was just looking for something like the, the one the, when the hook group wanted to buy us, I was you know I, I just snapped the hands off then because it would have meant security. And then so you get out of this fairly toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, as you alluded to, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, it didn't happen easily, did it? Um, I remember you telling me one night, you said, right, Steve, I'm going to go, I'm going to go meet her and I'm going to go and end it. And then you went, um, met her, you were out for four or five hours. I was sat home waiting. You came back and you were still in the relationship. And yep. in fact, she managed to convince you that you were the problem. And that yep. in fact, your career mm-hmm. was so selfish that she was the victim. Yeah. And so you came back really upset about what you had done to her by having this career. Um, and I think, again, that for me, it was just another sign that you, you weren't really in control of, of the situation. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't in control of my own emotions. I wasn't in control of the relationship. And I'm, I know it sounds stupid, but I, like, I hate that person. I see, I see him now in other people. And, like, I've, Drunk Dong. Drunk Dom, that type, that guy, you know, sober, even in sober, when he was in relationship, and I just look at him and think, how, how, how are you like that when there's 
it's so obvious you're in a bad relationship it's so obvious you've got a problem and because i've been through that obviously but it's it's so obvious obvious to see now but at the time you're just so gazed with everything like you just you don't know you're right from wrong you've got all these voices in your head you don't know what's going on with you you're not you're not happy with anything you're not happy with yourself you're not happy with your relationship no one's like no one's like making you feel good you're putting so much pressure on yourself and you know something's got to change at that point and you um because you were in that state where you were struggling with these external things i just from hearing you now it's evident it's sort of clear that that's why you lost control of that romantic relationship yeah in the sense that you would you were almost quite submissive to this person and she was quite naturally a bit of a manipulator so i remember the day after you'd i think finally broken up with her and she calls you on the phone and she says if you don't leave work right now and come and see me i'm gonna crash my car and she's driving on the motorway and And then she she screams she screams and she hangs up the phone phone. to make it seem like she crashed yeah and obviously you're very upset by that as everybody would be because you, you know you believe this person but she was really playing to this guy that wasn't in control of himself and she right. knew that yeah and she so she, and then so what we did that day obviously i'd already banned her from everywhere she was banned from the house she was banned from the office because you know i just thought she was a bad uh, bad influence i always felt really guilty i'll be honest i always felt really guilty because i'm a bit of a control freak as you'll know like i'm very controlling when it comes to a lot of things and i i was always really worried that i was controlling you that I was controlling. No, no. That's how it felt sometimes. Yeah. I felt like you, I was. I'm got, like, is this just me controlling Dom? No, do you know? Because when I when we when I first met her, we were staying on Lisa's floor. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I met a girl. She lives in Manchester. I can stay at her house. You know, I can like get a bit of a base. Mm. And I was like, this sounds like a good idea. You know, not like Lisa's. So for context, when we when Dom met this girl, me and Dom were basically homeless. Yeah. And in the sense that we were we'd moved yeah. out of our place and we were looking for somewhere to live. Yeah. So. So yeah. So. And, you know, I latched, I latched to that. I, I looked for any kind of, like, stable base. And I was like, oh, I fell into it. I was like, this has got a house. I can stay there. I can I can do something, you know. And she, so she she ended up, she, she gave her those phone calls where she, you know, she threatens yeah. to kill herself. You obviously get very upset. We say to you, listen, go go to Thailand today. Literally booked the flight. Went to the airport that day. You just flew away. Because mm-hmm. you meant to go on holiday with her, weren't you, to, yeah, to Africa. Yeah. Um, you flew away. Talk to me about the day that you quit alcohol and how that happened or what made you quit Yeah. in the end. So I think I was always a danger for myself, which I could deal with. I knew I, I broke my, I damaged my ankle one night and I was hurting myself. You know, I remember my birthday. This is, this is like my birthday went out. My birthday was on Sunday, went on right on the Saturday. I spent the entire Sunday in our cinema room which is pitch black no lights just there in the dark and I, you guys came in and asked if i wanted to go to town for to bar and grill i said no i'll stay here and that from that for me was like a moment when i was like what it's my birthday and i'm just sat in this black room hungover, not seeing anyone and i was like that's when that's when i really started to think what the hell am i doing myself um and then a couple of incidents happened when I was still doing damage to myself, but I wasn't doing damage to other people. I thought, you know what, as long as I, it's not too bad, you know, no one's, I don't think people were catching on. I, obviously people knew. And then, um, I'll just be honest, I quit, I had quick drugs first, you know, that I got that out of my life. I was like, I don't need that. Um, and I thought that was a problem. What drugs? That. What drugs? Um, Coke. 
doing coke, you know. Um, and I felt that was a problem. I felt that was the problem, so I got rid of that. Uh, like, you know, I'm not, I don't need that, that's not me. Um, and I f- for a bit of time, maybe it's my head I got better, but I don't think I did. Um, and then went to the races, um, alcohol fueled day. Uh, got back about eight o'clock, middle of the day, uh, to Piccolino's and on the edge. And I just went in there. Um, started stealing bottles of wine off people's tables, generally just disruptive, shouting at people um, in front of some of the team, uh, and then realised that, got thrown out, started walking down the street, shouting again at other people, you know, just for how how can they throw me out. Um, and then, yeah, I, I regretfully, probably the worst moment of my life, said things to someone who um i probably consider to be one of my closest friends um and someone that works in the team someone that works in the team very good very very good friend of mine um who's been here since day one i care about deeply and waking up that morning finding out what i said to him and the manner in which i acted towards him when he was only trying to help me he was actually trying to get me to bed take me home um what did you say to him to this day i can't remember do you know what, what the topic was? Yeah, I know what the topic was, yeah. Was it about his performance within the team? Yeah, it, was, was it? it was about his performance within the team and his perception from other people and me saying things about, about that. And I, and I, on hearing the, the demeanour of the conversation I had with him, drunk. I, drunk, completely yeah. drunk, you know, this is, like Steve said, this is drunk, this isn't me. I realised I'm hurting other people. Yeah. So just from my perspective, because I was um, I was also um, out and about that night. I just went for some dinner with some friends, and obviously there's two. There was two different doms. There was the the dom in work, who was the you know the super nice guy, the 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 team player, the the calm, collected, funny guy. At times, I'd, I'd say the butt of the joke as well. Yeah. But predominantly, the reason why you're the butt of the joke amongst even some of the team was because of the other dom. Yep. And obviously, you, when you're less secure in yourself, you kind of make yourself the butt of the joke. And you, you'd been that guy for a while. And then there was this other dom, which was the drunk dom, which, because of how out of hand it was getting, was doing damage to real-world dom. Mm-hmm. And the problem we have when we're trying to lead people is... Um, we need to, we, like, leadership is a given thing. People give it to you. And if they don't respect you because of how you're acting, in work or out of work, you cannot lead people. And so this was the pro- And so I was at dinner at Sakana, I think it's a restaurant in Manchester, and started getting texts from people in the team saying, um, it was Alex and Sam that texted me saying, listen, Dom's out of control. He's da da da. He's been kicked out of Piccolino's. He's walking down the street. He's just said something to somebody. Um, and I think that was the the first moment when we had a conversation which was really really not pleasant no, and no. yeah i remember on texting you and you texting me saying that you know in your you were absolutely wasted but yeah. you were saying that you wanted to sell and i remember that moment thinking it was it hit me like a ton of bricks because although i was like i was so pissed off in the moment i was like fuck you whatever i was also like that's pretty serious if you're at the point where the even drunk version of yeah. you is like it wants to wants out because that's what you're saying you want yeah. it out I was like yeah. that's pretty fucking serious and then, I, I want it out because I, I couldn't I didn't think I could deal with it and what what are the you know you you, you do so much now um, on things like mental health issues and your recovery from from you know 
drinking too much, I guess, and mm-hmm. the way you've progressed. What do you, did you have mental health issues? And if you did, what were they? Because I know mental health is a very broad thing. It's not yeah. necessarily depression or anxiety, what it is, but mental health, as I've come to understand through my own sort of education of it, is such a broad thing from mm-hmm. you know OCD to hoarding. Like, what, what are the, the mental health issues you think you've had? Yeah, I had, a, I, I had an, uh, anxiety. That right. was, like, what I had. What, how does that, what, was, what did that feel like? Imagine, imagine you've, you've, you're talking to yourself. And you're talking yourself out of everything. Talking yourself out of everything? Yeah, you, you don't, like, for, I'll give you an example. So, Because um, I always wonder if I've got anxiety. You, you have, everyone has. Yeah. Everyone has, but it flares up. And, you, yeah. and so what I learned was how to manage it right. to, to notice when you're having moments of, being, of feeling anxious right. and what to do in them moments and just to be aware that you you have it because I never, Talk to me about I it. never what, knew what anxiety was what, what, how does it feel what's the um, how does it feel um, something's pressing on your mind and you know you need to talk to someone about it but you put it off mm. because you don't think it's the right time mm-hmm. you want to get them in a different situation mm-hmm. um, take for like example, like a client, client not paying, you'll hold that information to yourself, mm-hmm. try and solve it yourself, mm-hmm. but you'll, you'll not get anyone else involved, you'll lock it away until it's a point where either it's got so far out of hand that you need someone to come in to help you, mm. or you've solved it and it can go away. Is it like a feeling though? It's, it's just, it's a, is it a feeling like of nervousness or an- yeah. anxiousness? Yeah, is it it's like a, a, it's, yeah, you get it. Because sometimes I get this real when I when I've got something on my mind, and I'm like I've put I've compartmentalized it a yeah, little bit, and I start feeling like super anxious. I think like almost like a, almost like a kind of almost the feeling like that I get just before I go up on stage. Yeah. I get that for a while in my in my like in my insides. So I had that. That's what you get. But nature naturally, what I do is I take I take on too many things. So when you've got these, you're just adding to the fucking, yeah, add, adding to the, you're yeah. not solving it and like. Some small things that made a big difference to me, like at work, was like getting a calendar. You know, we didn't have a calendar yeah, yeah, for the yeah. first two years. We were just yeah. roping stuff, getting a wonder list. You know, learning how to deal with the problems put in front of you. Small changes make such a big difference. Um, but the, the main thing was when you get that feeling of being anxious, solving it. And I had to write down like every single time I felt anxious over a problem and then say what I thought the outcome was going to be. So, for example, if, if Someone, someone asked for a pay rise, and someone asked for a pay rise, and you, um, you don't know, you don't know how to react because it gets this anxious in, in your head because you're thinking about paydays coming off, we haven't got enough money to pay people, and you start thinking about a million things before you can even go back to them and say, "This is where we're at." And, and they pile on top. Of they each pile other. on top of each other, and then making all of them. Yeah, and, then, and then I was drinking, and I was forgetting about them. But over the weekend, then you sober up. Then you sober up, and you're like, it gets on top of you. Got you. Um, so and that's then, interesting for me. And that's just work things. And there's life things as well. You know, you look at yourself, you look at how you... In so, so, so this is a weird one. So I get, I, I get small doses like social anxiety where... And it comes up more when I'm drunk. That's why I go off on myself. Because sometimes I don't know what to say to people in conversation. Because I think... Because you've got everything going on back in mind. Sometimes you're just a blank person. Like, you'll be there in social situations, but you won't be there because your mind will be gone away. Mm-hmm. And you just sat there and you're like... I don't know what to say to people because I've got these million things I'm thinking about. So I don't want to appear socially awkward. So I'm just going to leave. So you never, you never really spoke to me about that feeling. Yeah. Why? I don't speak to anyone about it. I've not. I, the only person I spoke to about it was the guy I was seeing. 
I need, I spent so long trying to understand myself. I'm still not there. No one ever gets there. And it's like understanding the triggers you have, how you are. Um, when you say when you say the guy you're seeing, you mean after you quit drinking, you went and sought help, etc., yeah. from somebody. Yeah. So, but but you never you never. I was sat next to you this whole time while you were feeling these things. Mm. Think about why didn't you just turn to me and say, "This is how I'm feeling. It's really tough, and I'm you know." I think it's for the same reason a lot of guys don't speak. It's Why's that? Feeling, feeling adequate. Don't feel like you're up for it. Um, feel like you can solve it yourself. You don't need help. That, that kind of whole thing. You know, I can get through this. You know, I'm not weak. Sign of showing weakness. Hmm. I think that. Did you did, did you not think that I had any weaknesses, or what was your perception of what how I was dealing with all these things? I thought I always thought you were so good at like putting them to the back of your mind that they weren't there. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I think I was just so caught up on myself, worrying about them that I didn't, you know, you were the first person to tell me to talk to them about it. I didn't even think, I didn't even know I should have to speak to them about it. It's really interesting. I thought, I thought, I thought my, me as a person, I did to, I didn't know I needed help. You told me I needed help. Okay, so let's go back to that day then. Mm-hmm. So the day after you get very drunk, you wake up, you realise you've dam- you know, damaged a few things, a few relationships, etc. Um, I messaged you and I said, let's meet at the office. And we met at the office mm-hmm. and we had a conversation, mm-hmm. um, a very private, honest conversation in which we talked about, um, you know, th- we were very honest for the first time ever, I think. And I think mm-hmm. the only thing that stopped me be- on that day being mad at the damage you'd... Because the way I always felt was, like, Drunk Don would create a mess for me to clear up. Yeah. And the only thing that stopped me being mad on that day at all was just how honest you were about your situation. It was the first time... That was the first time yeah. where you, you were actually honest yeah. about how you were feeling. And you can't be mad at somebody when they tell you that they've been, you know, struggling with some stuff and that they want to get a grip of it and that they want to... You know, so that was... an and then from there, you you know, you said I told you you needed to see a guy. I can't really remember that. I certainly didn't make you go and see him. No, so no, but you said you get all the credit for yeah, that. Yeah. No, and I think, um, like I said, the first time I hurt someone else, I think I could I could deal with hurting myself, but hurting someone else that that's not me, and it's not complete contrast to who I am as a person. I don't I don't hurt people. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not that. And I think that that on me knowing that I've done that damage to someone and alongside like actually speaking to someone about it for the first time being told by my best friend that something's not right with you is like that hits all in the space of 24 hours and you know you you know that's the lowest point and that that low point that day is like the day I never want I you kept using that feeling how I felt that day as I'm never going back there I'm never feeling like that again. And the thing, the thing that I've always wanted to, to hear from you from is um, entrepreneurship and being, you know, let's use that four-letter word, the boss and all these things and um, being, you know, the CEO and in charge is something that's glamorized um, on social media, in movies, in magazines, in culture in general. There's this obsession with, you know, being the, the entrepreneur and this, the association is that you are on private jets and you've got jet skis and all the money you want and the biggest smile in the world. But there's another story which nobody tells you about. Um, what is that other story from yeah. your perspective? <laughs> that other story is like almost the reality. It's almost, 
you know you, you do you do see the project you do see that but you don't see the the actual work that goes into getting there and i think the reason that the entrepreneur is this flamboyant person is because what they learn through the journey they learn to become like you say you learn to become that type of person um through going through hard times what are the hard times hard times what the, god where did you start hard times um questioning whether this is like constantly questioning whether this is the right thing that you're doing you know we how many times have we changed course of what who we are as a business you know it's taken us two three years to find our identity um here's here's one of the hard times that i think you just mentioned there as well just to add is being the the buck stops with you so if you come this is one of the things that i've i learned that um this is the first sort of challenge i think the entrepreneurial gods give you they say everybody's problem is your problem as well as your existing problems yeah and unfortunately you can't pass it to anybody um and also because you're in charge nobody's going to tell you what to do or how to handle it mm-hmm. um which is also one of the the uh, you know perceived upsides of being an entrepreneur is nobody tells you what to do but also you know at moments where you've got a you know a 25 year old um guy or girl come to you with some serious problems whilst you're dealing with um, your clients you know massive client problems and then massive financial problems and then massive personal problems and then more of the same repeated the same day and then every single person adds another problem to the mix and everyone adds one more to to the it's almost this conveyor belt that comes to your desk that's one thing i said i said to the guy when i was seeing him you know every time we'd celebrate winning a contract or a new person would start that was like another layer on top it was more worry you know the more people we got in the team the more people we had to pay more money we had to make the more the issues, more, worried, the more issues you know yeah. and the 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 growth of it the growth associated with so quickly um and the, the amount of people we got in the amount of clients we won the minute we won a, as soon as we won a client my first thought was god how are we gonna do it? how how you know are we gonna be able to deliver this what happens if it goes wrong we you know we've got a lot of a lot of backing on this being a success um and then you you know another thing would happen you get more people on top and then like steve said you got your you said you got your personal stuff as well um and it's i i, I just remember those days i mean I, i've talked on my podcast before about that day when we got hacked and you know we had all, all of our clients at one point basically tell us they were going to leave um we had a team waiting who would just want you know we're waiting to go to paintball and we had to tell them but we had to try and fight to convince our clients that we didn't hack you know it wasn't us that had sent them those malicious emails etc um and then I remember that day, you know, someone in the team's boyfriend had dumped them and they were in a terrible state and they needed picking off off the floor. You know, your clients need picking off off the floor. You've got, you know, family issues at home uh, and all these things going on. And you are 23 years old, like at these times. Yeah. You're 23 years old. You, you're barely trying to figure out the world to yourself and you're being forced to be significantly beyond your years without the qualifications or without the stress. And so... What one thing that I've learned is um, how much it changes you, and I've seen you change. Uh, it's hard to see yourself change, but I can I I know what old Steve was like, and I also know what Dom's like, and um, the change I've seen in you is probably more drastic. Going from that that kid that I met in that Revolutions bar to the like the weathered, um, tough, hard, uh, very 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 impatient. I'd say now with when it comes to bullshit mm-hmm. um a very very low tolerance for bullshit or people bullshit people that are causing problems 
or that are egotistical or that are um, doing things with, with bad intentions, your reaction now is you very much want to wash your hands with them very quickly. Mm-hmm. Probably You're probably more impatient in that regard than I am. Um, and it's just interesting how in three years you can change so much, the very sort of character of who you are because of the experience that you put yourself in. Mm-hmm. But I just want to take you back to... so. On that day, you know, this is, this is the moment your life changes in your own words. The day that you sit down and you, you admit you're struggling and you say you're going to go see this guy and you said you're going to go quit drinking. Honestly, didn't believe you. Of course I didn't believe you. Yeah. I'd, I'd known Drunk Dom for so long, for my whole, you know, my whole life working with you and you know, being friends with you, I've, that's the only guy I'd known. So I didn't see how you would do that. Um, but here we are. How long has it been now? What month for January. 19, 19 months. 19 months. Yeah, 19, 19 months. 19 months without a drop of alcohol, mm-hmm. um, ran multiple marathons. Uh, you've lost, I don't know, you're probably skinnier than me now, which is <laughs> concerning. Um, healthier than ever, transformed in sense of your leadership skills, total respect from everyone in the team and beyond. People that don't, you don't know this, but people that didn't respect you then are literally intimidated by you now. And we've got a mutual friend um, who I won't name, but he literally told me this weekend, he was like, Dom is like intimidating now. You went from being this, the, 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 the joke in the group to being the, you know, the, the so good at leadership that you're intimidating people. Talk to me about that journey from the start, meeting this guy, what he taught you. What he taught me, he... So I said, I said it was always like lessons, all right? He, he gave me the... He asked me the questions, which made me... So I always... How do I frame it? He made me think about myself. He asked me questions that I've never been asked before about family, about relationships, about work. And he made me think. Um, and I, start, I, I first understood what I was going through. It took him about 50 minutes of me talking at him to say, okay, this is, this is what you've got. This is what you're dealing with. This is how we're going to like get over it. And the minute he told me what I had and he said the word anxiety, it, it, things started to fall into place. I was like, okay, this is, this is why. This, is, this all makes sense now. Um, and it, it was, it just, it just made me think about myself. He made me, gave me confidence, gave me some ways of getting over it. What, what did you learn about yourself from him? Uh, where to start? Um, you learn your triggers you learn you learn you learn I lost who I was and um, I won't forget when I used to go home to York um, to see my parents my my mum was just be completely different with me and I, telling this guy all these things about like the small things about my mum not like wanting to see me and you know um, how family think you change as well um, it makes you think like that's not me as a person and then I went he sat down with me and said, "Like, look, what, what do you think your values are? What do you want to be known for? Who do you want? Who do you want to be in five years? What do you want people to think of you?" And we kind of did that exercise. Um, and then he said to me, "What you need to do then is all your actions have to sit within your values. So if you don't think something aligns with who you want to be or how you want to be perceived, you can't do it. Not that you can't do it, but you shouldn't do it because it's not who you are." Um, so I had a real big session with him where we just spoke about what I was known for growing up, how I was, um, how I thought people perceived me. And he said, look, that's who you are. You're still that person. You've just lost him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was really hard. It was really hard, like, hearing, like, like because my mum my said that to me, that she feels like she's lost me as well, which was really hard to hear. Um, and then, yeah, I think through that, 
I, I, it comes down to your personality. So loads of people have told me they're going to give up drinking. Loads of people have told me they want to do dry, dry January and fail. But really, you know, you've, you've said it as well. You said it to me and it always resonates with me. It's like the, I can't remember off the top of my head, you'll, you'll jump in it. But change only occurs when the pain of staying the same is greater than greater the pain, than pain of pain. making a change. And you said that to me, you said that to me, I can't remember, a number of times. Um, and that was, that was something that always resonated with me. And I was like, okay, that's never that feeling that feeling I had that that morning waking up. I'm never having that feeling ever again. I'm getting past that. Um, I'm never going to be there again. And I was just so spurred on by who I think I want to be, what my values are, and never letting myself get into that position of feeling like that ever again. Who who do you want to be, and what are your values? Um, so I want I've okay going back to what when I was younger I was always really active and really sporty that was something that I really love I always loved doing that um I always saw myself as um loads of friends loads of people that really liked in social situations um which I started to lose um and then as well I guess uh, I guess one one thing is that I always you know I always saw myself as really ambitious and I really always saw myself as someone who takes on challenges and solves them um, sol- solves them but also overcomes them um, and I turned it into a game for myself I turned it into self that I um, alcohol is the enemy and alcohol is the opponent from sport you're going to beat it and that's how I, how I framed it uh, and who I wanted to be is I I wanted to be um, I've got this image in my head I've always had it I've always like looked a couple of years forward of this kind of perception of this person of who I am um, describe them I'm not far off what I am now. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, um, obviously the journey's never complete, but um, I'm in, two, in just nearly under two years' time, I've been transformed into the this person who, when I was sat there, hungover after doing what I did, this is who I wanted to be. I don't, I don't know how you've done it, to be honest. Honestly, I fucking, I guess it must be the pain of staying the same or something, but... It, 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 it takes for, to not drink for nineteen months when you're yeah. your age, despite everybody pressuring you go and have you know go and have a drink and then and then to do the running thing as well. I'm like Christ, not drinking, but then to run marathons every bloody other day and to run. I think you ran like twelve. Was it twelve k yesterday? Yeah, twelve k yesterday on a Sunday. It's like I was in bed like <laughs> watching Netflix with my dog, um, and you're out there running at like bloody two a.m. in the morning. I don't know where you get that that like drive. Uh, to I guess you know I don't know to it must have it, like it, because some, you know people they'll want to make a change and it will last a month yeah. and they'll be like you know back to my old ways hmm. so it's pretty tremendous that you've been able to completely shift the course of your life hmm. for a sustained period of time I think yeah and it, I think it's only in hindsight you start realizing how dark things got like I'll never forget and this is I haven't told I haven't, I've, I've only told one person this because. Um, I had a very open conversation with someone who's who's a friend um, who was going through things as well and he asked me um, have you ever thought about it and I went thought about what and he went killing yourself and I said I said no I've never sat there and thought uh, okay I'm gonna kill myself never thought about that Um, but sometimes you know and this will be completely saying it when when the train's coming past the station you just think, oh, what if? What if I jumped? You know, oh, I'd be all right. 
and I had I and it's, I had that thought with a couple of things. Was that at low times or was that? That was low. That was the low time. That was that was a, that was a low time. Um, going down to London, I had to sit there and think. Stand on the station, but oh, if I jump, what happens if I jump? Who would miss me? What would happen? It ha- and I, honestly, I had that a couple of times, and it's only when you like all these things I'm saying have always only been in hindsight, like understanding my anxiety and understanding my triggers, understanding what sets me off. Mm. Um, have only been discovered in hindsight when I know more about myself. So when you you have that such a contrast of who you were versus the path you're on now, mm. you'll do everything you can to to move forward and not go back. And how important was taking that first step just to go and speak to somebody? Because it is incredibly hard. I think you know it's people. You know people often think you know I don't speak to somebody about the way I'm feeling mm. because I want to be brave. But for me, there is nothing braver than being like holding my hand up and saying, do you know what? I need to speak to somebody. I couldn't, I, I really wonder if I went through some serious like mental health issues, would I be able to go and speak to somebody? I don't think I'm that brave. It, I, I, because, because, because I spoke, just because of the stigma, it's a terrible shame. Yeah. But, but you know, speak, speaking to you about it, that's what mm. I, we, we spoke about it mm. and that was me talking about it. Yeah. And I think if I can say it to you, you know, I've said it I've said it now and but how important was it though for, to, to, go, to, to go and speak to somebody about it because you've, yeah, you've referenced it, before that yeah it, it was the most important thing it was the most you know it was for the biggest most important first thing was find you know someone telling me something's wrong mm-hmm. something's telling me someone who knows me better than anyone telling me that something's wrong that was the most important thing in my life the start was you admitting it though wasn't it the start was that day you admitted it yeah but to yourself, I think. I admit to myself, yeah, and I admit it to you. But you know, you we spoke about it, and yeah. you, you know, you, it wouldn't have happened if if you didn't happen. But then the second part of that was then acting upon that and having a conversation with someone who knows what we. Cause I had the same. I said the same thing to to him that I said to you. You know, that day, same. I said exactly how I felt, and he can put it into a into a structure that helps me overcome it. So. One of the things I was I've always wanted to to speak to you about is money. So we talk about how mm. you know not having money is uh, in terms of paying your staff and you know cash flow issues and all these things, which we went through for a good eighteen months nonstop of you know like probably five months in a row where we're just like I have no idea. I remember that one month where um, we looked at the bank account and payday was just around the corner. I think a week away. Mm-hmm. There is no money in the bank, but there is a team to pay. And there's many, many bills to pay. Probably, yeah. I don't know, 70, 60, 70,000 pounds worth of bills to pay in a week's time. No money in the bank. And just that mad scramble to sell something, um, which we did. And we always seem to get, get past it. Well. Sorry? And, and get them to pay, yeah. <laughs> like, we, could, we could sell something. Story. Then paying was a different story. <laughs> this is such a funny story. We managed to sell to a, um, a company at the time a, a campaign. And one of the KPIs was there would be a trigger payment if we hit a certain uh, objective. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're very good at our jobs and we've always been good at social media. I mean, it's why social chain exists. But the, the objective basically to save social chain in hindsight was getting them to be the number one trending topic um, in, in the country. So it was really, if, the, if this brand doesn't become the number one trending topic in the country, we fail. We fail. And that, that, that is the truth. I That's remember, the crux of it, isn't it? I remember you messaging me then, this has to happen. Uh, we have, yeah, to, we, have, we have, to have to make them the number one trending, trending topic yeah. in the country or it's goodbye. I think, that's the, I, think, I think that's the last campaign I did. Is I it? ran, yeah. Because we... 
probably one of the last times I've yeah. sold in Dundee. Because <laughs> I think it was the last, I remember we were in the, the white room there um, and it was, it was, I think it was me and Hannah who stayed late to do it and we were like, this has to happen. And Hannah, Hannah was so shocked oh, God, when I celebrated. And I celebrate, I'm, you know, probably not since Tippy Tap that I celebrated like we'd, you know. That's just unbelievable. We'd and just then done it. Because you were, I think you were in London, weren't you? Maybe. I can't remember, but I remember messaging the client the next day and be like, hey, we did it. Can, <laughs> can you send the money, please? Oh. Um, but anyway, moving on. So the point I was going to make is, okay, so not having money in a business is tremendously stressful. But what about on the opposite side of it? Being, you know, 22 years old mm-hmm. at the time when we first started getting a little bit of money. Yep. And it wasn't even a tremendous amount of money. It was just more money than we needed, right? Yeah, you got spare. How did having too much money impact you? I guess... I and guess, does money make you happy? No, money doesn't make me happy. Money doesn't make me happy. Um, I, what, it, what it does, it gives you freedom. You know, money give, having money, it's disposable money, you can do things. And we were partying. That's what we did. But what was, what was the... Did, was it all... Is it all upside? No. To get What's the downside? What's the downside? Um, so for me, and this is kind of what I was, I was alluding to, I guess, was... I guess a bit of a sense of anti-climax. Yeah. Thinking, I remember we had a conversation in the old flat where I, I think me and you realised that we were not motivated by money because I remember standing to you and saying, this was before Social Chain was a, a company really and it was in, in the sort of gap between Woolpark and Social Chain. I remember saying to you, there's 20, 30,000 pounds worth of business in my emails. If I just go downstairs and send an email, then we make the money, but I just can't be asked because I'm not, because 20, another, you know, a couple of grand isn't going to make me happy. So there's no motivation to do it. But, and what that taught me in that moment when we had that conversation is that I don't do this for the money. I, I mean, now when we, when we sign big deals and, you know, we sign major clients, I'm tremendously happy. But the reason isn't because of the money. No, no. It's, and that's, that's what I, I came <laughs> to learn. The thing from that conversation which um, stayed with me is I think, and I'm just going to be completely honest, at the time you were pursuing a girl. Do you remember this? You were pursuing a girl. I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. From York. Yeah. I know exactly who you mean, yeah. And she... And I, and I think because you thought that money was the enabler of all possibilities, which is what I, when I say the anticlimax, what I mean. You thought money basically, when you've got to grow up, you think it gets you everything. Yeah. But you couldn't get this girl. No. And, and, you, and you were putting pressure on yourself yeah. because you were like, well, I've got, I've got some money now. Not a huge amount of money, just a couple of, you know. You weren't, doing, you weren't a student anymore. You weren't a, no, you know, exactly. a broke student anymore. But you, you thought that the money would get you the girl. Yep. And because it wasn't getting you the girl, you were struggling with that. Yeah. And I, I think you're completely right. You know, you think the money, the money side of things is success. You know, that's, that's like an open door, but it um, only exposes cracks in who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the way, you know, you see about one of the, I'm so glad that I managed to make a bit of money when I was younger because it teaches you about yourself. It teaches you about what you value. It teaches you about what you want in life. And it, right now, money, it doesn't make a difference because I wasn't happy then. I, I know I wasn't happy then. You know, I went through a year of not being happy with myself, obviously, and no amount of money would have changed me. It would have destroyed me. What makes you happy? What makes me happy now, the number one thing that makes me happy is, like, seeing other people happy. Mm-hmm. And that comes from, like, seeing them here progress, seeing them here um, do things. So every time, like, today we've had such a great day with good news, I'm so glad that people are winning 
and it's like we've 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 built an environment here where people can can do that i think that that's what makes, that gives me the most satisfaction now still want to sell no why no um this is this is this this is me i think i was like i i don't know i didn't i saw the, the work stress as a, as, as the enemy mm. but then you know they had the girlfriend in one ear at the time but then i realized that this is this social chain you know i'm this is it's me yeah it's us it's everyone who built it um this is our purpose and i think i needed to i learned that um i learned that i don't know why i didn't know it but i learned that that this is like everything i'm doing is for this this is this is who we are i think i think it's it's, it's important to know that through all the hard times i obviously went through the hard times too yeah. and i i never um i think the only thing i think that, that's one question i wanted to ask i wanted to ask you that i'm not sure. is like like i always assume you dealt with it by switching off and forgetting and right. like same way i did so i was thinking no i'm i get drunk and i party mm. you would always go to your bed and you'd watch youtube videos um and you forget about it that way mm. what how did you deal with it um, I think that I think it comes I think it, a lot of it and I've only learned this from speaking to you now I think it comes from your inner dialogue mm. and that person that speaks to you in your head yeah. and I think so I think you know we talked about it's important that you go and talk to somebody you're talking to someone the whole time yeah, yeah. you're talking to yourself yeah. and whatever that person's saying back to you will shape your perspective on the situation yeah. and only in hindsight do I think now the guy that was talking back to me was very good at rationalizing everything yeah. and he um he was so he he had such an innate self belief that he probably wasn't that scared of failure mm-hmm. so to him it was all all a bit of a game as opposed to it being real life and although as you know as the business grew there was more real consequences i just never thought it was going to go bad i never i never believed it was going to go wrong even in that you know and then i, I talked to you now about being addicted to the hard times i think the guy talking because i felt it i felt the, the tough days and the moments thinking i literally have have had so many moments in those in those early stages where i think wow what the fuck like today is so bad surely there is no human being that can deal with this and not break like i've literally said that to myself i'm like this is the worst day ever you couldn't make this up but that's the kind of tone that i'm taking in my head it's like this is so fucking bad and do you know what i mean it's yeah, not like yeah, oh my god yeah. i can't deal with this yeah. it's oh my god this day is this is there's no way you can make this day worse and then someone would come in or send me an email and make it worse and i'd go there you go <laughs> this is the fucking this is, <laughs> this is the, the fucking but i'd worst. also that voice would be like this is the test yeah. It would be like, it would be asking me back, can you deal with this? Yeah. And then, you know, all you got to do is get over one small little bump and then you can do a little bit bigger one. And then you keep doing that for a couple of years. You can do hills and mountains. And then, not, and then you almost feel a sense of like invincibility, I think, at a point. You become better and better at rationalizing bullshit. And I've seen the same in you where the news you, you can take today results in very little reaction versus if I'd given you that news three, two years ago, you would have taken that shit home. You would have been thinking about it all night. You probably would have had a glass of wine. So you almost become, this is why I say the word like numb and I, weathered. Yeah. We're both fucking a bit fucking haggard here. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I've got no emotion. It sounds like no I've got emotions. no emotion. I've got no, no, no I, don't, I know what you mean. I don't get excited. I don't get sad. That's like, an interesting thing. I said this on the podcast about yeah, you, you just stay in, the, stay in the middle. Yeah. You, just, you, just, you get the best news in the world. You go amazing. Yeah. And then, but you don't feel shit. No, you don't feel And anything. then you get the worst yeah, news in the world. You think, oh, fuck. You don't feel anything. And you don't feel shit. No. And because you realize that it's much more 
much healthier for you, but also the people around you, for you to just be unmoved. Yeah, and that's that's where that's where the running comes in. So you, you talk about like you had that person telling you you can go more, you can do more. This is a test. I didn't have that. My person was telling me, "Oh, but what about this? What about this? You know, so many like what ifs and asking myself more questions." And like from the running, you realise that like I always say, running is a mental battle. You can do that. You can do that. You can do that. You know, you can keep keep going, keep stepping, keep, keep, keep going, keep, keep going, keep going. And that's like that f- fell into that. That kind of got me through through everything. Like you just keep going. It's you know everything's fine. So you've come from you've come from. So you've kind of traced your whole journey. There you've come from kid in York in a in a, in a bar in York who's very very nervous, not really speaking much. You've gone through that process of dealing with the pressure that you um, you were given um, by this the nature of this lifestyle mm-hmm. struggling to cope with that struggling to cope with that mm-hmm. speaking out about your struggle overcoming uh the 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 destructive side of you don't burying drunk dom um coming out the other side where you've now turned it into a positive thing you have a blog you you're raising money for charity you're one of the most vocal people in terms of mental health issues and mental um uh, sort of awareness that, that I that I know now. You use every opportunity you can to use your sort of platform to talk on those topics. Um, you're ra- you know raising money currently for yeah. Calm for Calm mm-hmm. charity, which is what, what's Calm. Calm is the um, campaign against living miserably. It is um, focused on raising awareness of male suicide. Uh, suicide is the number one killer of men under the age of 45, um, and obviously suicide comes from um, guys not speaking out having internalizing all their problems and you know looking for a, a way out and that that's what suicide is quite bluntly is is people's escape route it's their it's how they they end their problems um yeah and you've, you've talked about how you know you you absolutely love the job now i think we've both come out the other end in a way you yeah. know we, we weathered the storm the the tough tough times where most people would quit or they'd fail and we've come out the other end and it's almost this like the promised land where you know, we're on these pastures, there's like unicorns and <laughs> um, there's obviously all the bullshit every day, yeah. but it's nothing compared to the shit we went through. So yeah. it seems like we're in fucking, you know, heaven, whatever. But what is, what does the future look like for you? What are your, what are your big ambitions personally within social chain, etc.? cetera? Um, future look like, I think, you know, as I said, this, this social chain, I feel like it's me. I feel like this is my purpose. This is, this is who I am. This is like um, you know, I look look around at the people here. You know, I feel like this is this is the family we've built. Um, I want this, I want this place to just go to where we want it to go. I want it to create um, the world, the world which you know. Uni- I want unicorns for everyone. I guess. I think unicorns for everybody. Unicorns for everyone. Unicorns yeah. for everybody here. You've heard it first. Um, but I think that's that's you know we we know where we're going on a on a company level. I think that's that's also helped me a lot because really at first we never had a plan. Mm-hmm. We kind of winged it, and I think that that was something that caused always a lot of discomfort. We didn't we we didn't know in ourselves who we were, and I think that that always kept me up questioning like where are we going? What is this business? Is it a business? And I think we when we when we decided on the media chain social chain split in my head, it made a lot more sense. Is like this is who we are now. This is like questioning like what we're actually doing here. Like yeah. what, what is the business? So you've got more clarity over what the, the business yeah. is, where it's going, yeah. what it yeah. what its importance in the world. Yeah. Um we've obviously got an incredible group of people, people. here now. I think this is probably the most understated part of why um social yeah. chain is so good, but also 
why we're so much happier is because we now have real, mature, yep. incredibly effective, talented people in key roles. And these people are smarter than we are, yep. better than we are. Yep. They fill all of our weaknesses yep. and more. Yep. They teach us um, okay. how to be better um, entrepreneurs and leaders mm -hmm. and, and managers and teammates. Um, and we, le we learned that from... We learned that because we, you know, you're, you're a control freak. I'm, I, I don't like handing things over to people, um, but we had to learn to. We mm. had to learn. We had to learn that we can't do everything and that we're not the best at doing everything. Um, and I think that, you know, when, when I was like, you know, when Steve, when you first met me, I was in a suit, um, and I thought when you talked to me about someone who runs a business, you have this idea of someone who's who does does everything, um, and is really, you know, what everyone thinks of someone who runs a business is, but reality is it's like great people great great people run the business great people great people you know that's how what builds an amazing a business, business. It's the definition it's, of a company isn't yeah. it a group of people yeah and that's it's not down to any individual it's not down to anything it's about having a great cohesive working family starting 11 starting 11 family yeah person where i want to go personally um i'm very happy i know I've, i'm very happy with who i am right now i've got a couple of things I want to do. Um, I'm still feeling. I'm still finding a relationship as well, and I really like her. She works here at Social Chain, um, and this is this is the moment when I knew I wasn't just controlling you because um, I like her and I don't interfere in your relationship. So that's when I was like, okay, it's not me. It's it's just that other one was it. <laughs> she was a terrible. Um, uh, terrible. yeah, I think I'm very open minded for where I'm going at the moment. Like I'm, I know, I know I'm on the right trajectory. I. I want to, I'm doing more in the public space. I want to do more in the public space. Um, I think I can. I want to make a difference. I think. I think that's. I think that's come, coming back to the point of what makes me happy now is seeing people progress and people develop and people be happy. I think if I can, that's why I'm in. That's why I'm so passionate about mental health is because I can make a difference to people. And I think my. I want to continue to do that, and I think that's where I'll go. I, yeah, and I, you've, I'm going to put the link in the, the podcast description for the um, the calm fundraiser that yep. you're doing currently. So talk to me a little bit about that. You're, what are you doing? You're raising funds and you're do, what are you doing? You're doing marathons? Yeah, so I'm doing 12 races over 12 months. Right. Um, all different lengths, all different kind of like sizes from um, Tough Mudder, which everyone knows about, but also some like really cool ones. Um, I did a 12K in France where I was like running through at midnight through the snow. Um, and then kind of the the whole thing is leading up to the London, London Marathon in April. So that's kind of like the big thing. April two, this year? April 23rd. I might do it. I'll see what my schedule's saying, but I might do it. You <laughs> know, you got I'm not ringing around. Yeah. No, I'm going to pull it. Yeah. Um, listen, thank you so much for a, a few things. First thing is for being so um, tremendously open because oh. it's not it's not easy. And it's a very selfless thing to do. It's, it's much easier and much more selfish to, just to like protect your ego and to um and to be a bit closed off but i think one of the things i've 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 learned from you is um the importance of speaking and being honest with yourself and other people mm -hmm. i've really really learned that i don't often say that to you but i've really really learned that um and you've inspired a lot of people within the team now you've gone from someone who as you said at the start was maybe a bit of a joke to people to now people look up to you but they not just that they also seek advice from you mm -hmm. on a private level to do with their own personal struggles and you've become a bit of a magnet especially to the the men within the, the business as the team's grown to nearly 200 people now as somebody you can come to who will um you know be the ear mm -hmm. um as the the, the the guy that you saw was to you 
Um, and I think that's so important because there's just not enough men, especially in high positions or positions of leadership that are willing to be that open. I think that's something that I, I completely respect you for and um, has been inspiring to me. But also, uh, thank you for the turnaround you made because look, look, fucking, I don't think I could have done this alone with Drunk Domin. I think in sorting yourself out, you took a, you know, you really, really did me a massive, massive favor. You made my life so much easier. You, um, you took the weight more with me. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, took the, the strain no, of the business more with me. And um, look, I, I will, I will, I'll never forget that day. Like, yeah. I'm not saying it to you. I've not told you. I don't know if I've may have said it like a little bit, but like that day that. I don't. I don't know. I've said to people, I don't know whether I'd be here, not not in social chain, but alive. Mm. I've honestly felt that. I honestly, the way out the route I was going down, I don't know whether I'd be here. So mm. like when I say like, like thank, like thanks for like saving my life, because mm. I honestly feel like I had no one telling me the truth. Mm. I, 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 yeah, as much yeah. as you say, and I appreciate that, but I I, I can't get around, away from the fact that you very much did that yourself. Like you, I, I don't know many people and I know a lot of friends who are going through a very similar thing to you and none of them are admitting it, are, don't have the courage or the bravery to talk. Mm. And I admire, the, the, I genuinely admire the bravery to say something. I honestly question whether I would. I don't think I would. And that's something that I struggle with. I'm like, and I, and I think, why not? And I think, oh, you gotta do. like if I was really, really struggling at some point in my life, would I, would I say, I just really, and I, I worry about that. Because that's even more dangerous. That's like the most dangerous thing. I, I, I've, I've spoken to uh, you, someone high up here, female, who we both, we both said the same thing. She's gone through, I think once you break and you feel yourself breaking, you're never going back. And like what I said, what me and her have said is that we, wanna, we want people not to be, to have to break to, to realise that they can, there's something wrong with them. Improve, yeah. And like I, and that's what I think. Like is, you know, you. If you haven't felt like that, you know, you haven't. Like I don't know if you have felt like you've broken or you felt like maybe you've had that. Like maybe like earlier, but like early days, you had that, mm. and you've you've had that feeling because mm. you, I mean, you said it to me as well again. Like about the stress stress threshold. Everyone's got that day where they, it was the worst day, and it was the worst moment in your life, and it keeps building up that that was the worst day, and everything underneath that you can deal with. You can deal with all the shit that. That, mm-hmm. as long as it doesn't reach that threshold ever again and like my fresh I feel like my threshold now is so high for like that moment when I felt like I was I wanted to give up on the, the dream you know I wanted to I wanted to sell it all I wanted to get rid of it because it, it was on top of me mm. and that that bullshit was so so much that I I know now I can deal with everything and on that note um just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. Again, no your honesty is um, is something I, I hope you never ever lose because I think honesty and that openness and the vulnerability is something that's rare and um, is healing to a lot of people. So thank you so much. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. All of the links to Dom's social channels and his um, GoFund is it GoFundMe? Uh, Everyday Hero. Okay, uh, all, are all below in the podcast store, and you can find them on my Twitter account as well. Um, do tweet me. Do tweet Dom. What's your Twitter dot Dom? At Dominic McGregor. At Dominic McGregor. Um, and let us know what you thought of the podcast and I will see you again in chapter 11 thank you you are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level 
And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode. You are always one decision away from taking your business to the next level. And a decision that's helped me to transform my business is moving over to NetSuite, who I'm excited to say are a sponsor of this podcast. If you don't know already, NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. It's reduced IT costs because it lives in the cloud so you can access it from anywhere and the cost of managing and running multiple systems because it's in one unified business management suite. My team and I don't have to worry about tasks being manual and clunky and it means that I can be more efficient and to focus on more important things like bringing you the best episodes and guests on this show. So I become one of the 37,000 companies that have already made the move over to NetSuite. NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head to netsuite.com slash Bartlett for a free product tour. Back to the episode.